Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Industrial Marketer Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joey Strawn, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and favorite person on the planet, Nels. Nels, give us a chance. Jansen, how you doing? I'm doing great. Favorite person on the planet. Wow, that's uh, you need to get out more. <laughs> I, I Well, you know what? It's COVID times. I don't have a lot of getting you know. out to do. You're Isn't, not screaming at me like the toddlers and the yep. babies in in the house. So yeah, right now, this very moment, you're totally my favorite person. I, you know, I, I got to tell you, it's like we get excited about little uh, outings and things like that. And I look forward to this so much. This is so fun. So I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm, really, it's, I'm right there with you. It's a, it's a little break in the day. And what better way to just get together and talk tips, tricks, and tools to help industrial marketers like us connect to their audiences? I mean, little trips out, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if, if, I, if you were to tell me two years ago I'd get this excited about like one trip to Target every four months, <laughs> I told you you were crazy. It's like, I go to Target every week. What do you, why would I be excited about that? Oh, man, the world, the world is definitely changing. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm glad to be back here. Uh, Nelson, anything going on in your world before we dive into the marketing you world? You know, we're, we're just, you know, industrial marketing nerds who get excited talking about this stuff. So, uh, I, and I'm fine to nerd out. I love to nerd out. Nerding out about your passions is what makes this world great in this digital world that we live in. Great. So, you know, whether or not that you're a nerding out with us on the level of, you know, whether it's industrial sales and marketing managers, you guys, you know, on the ground floor, knowing your turf, whether it's, you know, the marketing doers that are building things and systems or those agency and C-suite level professionals that just need to know what the ground looks like in the industrial market marketing world. We are happy to be here with you. I am just like Nels. You guys are my favorite people on the planet right now. Um, And as we get deeper into this world of industrial marketing, Nels, you and I thought it was only fitting that we dive into at least one segment that deals with this on a regular basis, especially nowadays in the COVID world. And within industrial marketing, I'm talking, of course, about manufacturers. It's in the title. It's what we're talking about today. But how do manufacturers live, survive, grow, thrive in this new world of of internet, digital, industrial marketing? And, you know, you you tease to some of our, you know, key constituents here, right? The the hybrid sales and marketing manager, there's an awful lot um, of basic high-level marketing that they're aware of that, okay, how can we push this down a little bit? The doers, Right. I just relate so much to the people who are working for manufacturing firms that are tasked with, you know, oh, okay, so we have HubSpot. Let's plug it in and make it go, you know, just like that. Turn right. it on and go. And the agency professionals who are like, what it wait a minute, this is nothing like B2B. So manufacturing is its own world. And in many ways, it's such a key integral cog in our economy. And but it doesn't operate like the rest of the way most of us think of the business, the business world. So uh, fundamental differences, narrow, narrow targets, right? You're talking yeah, I was about, about to a say, fairly yeah. closed circle. We're talking about a long buying process for equipment, now, even for services. Now, now, and we're talking, yeah. And, and then before, we can get into those steps. Yeah. Right. I was about to say, before we dive too deep, I think one thing that's interesting about the world of manufacturing marketing, especially in an industrial con- context with longer buyer journeys and all the things that go into how manufacturers talk about themselves 
online and market themselves and get new customers. It is important for us to sort of understand where they've come from, what the world used to look like and how things are different and the same. It's, you know, it's that same, that old adage, things change, but things stay the same. We see that a lot, especially in the industrial marketing world. So I think this is an interesting opportunity for us. Nelson, if you want to talk about sort of where they've come from and, and sort of the frameworks that, that they're familiar with, and then I, we can kind of bleed that into how things are, have things have morphed, changed, grown. Sure. Um, and it, and it, yeah. It's, it's very, it's, and, and you have to respect the past. Anytime you're talking about mm-hmm. changing processes or changing um, applications and things like that, it's, it's really important to understand how people arrived at where they are in the manufacturing industry, you know, just the technology advances and innovations that they do on the shop floor is just absolutely phenomenal. You know, yeah. it's amazing when you see how some, you know, machine shops can take a blank, a piece of metal and turn it into something that has multiple dimensions and, you know, shapes and circles and angles and squares. And they're like, how do they do that? It's like so, magic sometimes. Right. Like you look at a piece, right. I mean, even just you never experience this, especially like growing up before you really get to take apart pieces, but you look at a piece and you're like, wow, this is so complicated. And then you realize that a machine built it or yeah. that it was designed and orchestrated in a certain way. And it's so fast. It's like magic. I, I said it before. I'll say it again. But it's but it's all rooted in relationships. If you really mm-hmm. think about the way many, many sectors work. So manufacturing comes from a history of relationship-based networks. So you're talking about personal sales networks, personal Mm -hmm. sales calls. You're talking about trade shows where people gathered and, you know, they, they hung out with their people who, whether it was people who were in a certain segment of machining, maybe they were milling and turning or, or, you know, and, and grinding and somebody else was in stamping and metal forming. And, you know, they're, they're all from the same family, but they, you know, have, you know, they're different children, but the key things there I'm talking about are the relationships. And so um, people, when they got their leads, sales leads, they knew where they came from. They, Mm. they could almost trace them to certain behaviors that they did. And that was really important because of the, um, they weren't dealing with a really large base of potential prospects. And I think as we we've evolved, and the um, you know we have a lot more digital natives in all facets of business, that's been a kind of a sore spot for manufacturing. Yeah. It's been slow to get out of the. I don't want to say relationships aren't important; they're hugely important. But you have to um, be found before that relationship yeah. can become important, and that's impacted in this long buying process. That, you know, you think about it, you know, what you may go through to buy a car. A lot of us just don't go out and buy a, you know, 15 right. to 20 to $25,000 car. We put a little bit of effort into it. Well, if you're tasked with buying a series of machines that cost, you know, six middle, middle six figures, you know, yeah. you're, you're going to, you're going to do your homework and that long buying process, the way it intersects with these relationships is now a lot more people are doing their homework and yeah. searching, educating themselves, even vetting different potential, you know, um, solutions, they're doing that before they ever establish that relationship. So that's one of the things that's very unique about the manufacturing sector. I I agree. And I'll pause right here on this relationships idea that you brought up, because I think that's one that's vitally important. And it's one that it 
sort of exemplifies what we've been talking about. The idea of, you know, here, the, the good old boy network, or, oh, I'm going to pull for my Rolodex or, you know, Scott in sales just has all the contacts and he just makes one phone call a year and gets us the, you know, the renewal order or that, you know, that contract for the next year. Those relationships were incredibly important. Those salespeople were incredibly important. You know, relationships in my mind have not changed in the industrial marketing world. Relationships, personal, you hear words like personalization or dynamic content. And that's all fancy ways of saying establish a personal connection with the people that are in your funnel. And, and you would mention that, you know, it's a tighter market. It's a tighter sale, you know, where someone like Coca-Cola can look out and say every person in the world that drinks liquid has the ability and possible desire to take our product. If you're making $5 million stamping presses, not everyone in the world is your market. Like you don't, you have a smaller universe. Now it right. may feel grand because there's a lot of competition in your network or a lot of other players or a lot of people that you you know see coming to your website. But the idea of establishing relationships on a personal level with a contained universe within an industrial sales cycle still applies today. But our tools of using marketing automation to personalize emails or send recommendations and coupons based on site buying behavior or, you know, uh, abandoned cart notifications when someone's looking on your, yep. your e-commerce yep. site, all of those elements where, while they may seem fancy and new age and are now being integrated more into the daily workings are all because they're based on that relationship management element. That's always been a part of the industrial buying cycle. Right. A, a, you know, you have your your standard customer journey of like, you know, needs awareness and interest consideration purchase. But within in the industrial sector, all of those steps are broken out over long periods of time, multiple people or multiple sub steps. So, you know, needs awareness and and interest may be a six month cycle now. And they're getting about 60% of their way through their consideration phase before they're even filling out a form. Sure. And here's the, here's the gap that manufacturing is trying to close to the, to the point that you're talking about now. You know, there's the old adage on, on that we've all heard about the skills gap in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And so you have the challenge of how do you take this tribal knowledge? How do you take all that right. information about what's needed to run our shop floor and transfer it to, to new hires? Well, in the same that needs awareness, how many, how many times did you hear 10 years ago in this industry when we'd talk about a website for a manufacturer and some, you know, probably older executive at that firm would say, well, you know, we don't need that so much because everybody who's going to buy from us knows us. Right. And, oh man, right. I hear that. And I hear that, so that now like, all the time. Right. And so the 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 needs awareness, you know, is just so um important that you're getting the information to your prospects when they want it. You know, right. if if let's say that your manufacturing firm, one of your best selling points is your expanded capabilities and your quality, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for something and maybe the first I search online and you don't have very much good stuff online and I'm finding competitors and I'm getting a low price floor. And all of a sudden my comparison with you is about price. And yeah. you're 
not in a position because I've already done so much research. If, if I had seen your stuff early on, my first question might not be price. It might be with a competitor. It might be, well, could you do the same thing as Joey's can, right. you know? Yeah. So the whole getting your, the, the needs awareness and interest getting information to people early in the buying process is super, super important. And that's perhaps the biggest change in manufacturing marketing over the past 10 years is how do you get the right kinds of education and awareness to the right Right. personas at the right time that used to all be very closed loop and it's not. And now it's very fragmented. I'm so glad you said the word personas because that's what I want to talk about. And and this is, again, like it's one of the marketing speak words, but personas. All right. Let me take a step back. The idea of understanding your customers and, oh, you know, Chad and sales knows, you know, his, the, the family of our rep at, you know, what Goodwill or whatever. All of that is based around that knowledge and that connection and knowing those people. And that's at the heart of what a target persona, if you ever hear marketers or tech speak guys say target persona, that is at the heart. The idea of connecting and understanding the people in your Rolodex hasn't changed fundamentally, but taking a deeper look at it and having all the knowledge not be in Chad's head, but be distributable among everybody is, is what has changed nowadays. So, you know, you think of target personas and the the simplest idea of a target persona is the most specific personification of a type of one of the your buyers that you can get so if you're always talking to supply managers or you're always talking to facility coordinators or you're always talking to engineers building a persona around well the engineers that we talk to are usually in the are usually in the needs awareness phase of their journey so they need content pieces that are more like comparison guides and pricing sheets and spec documents and things like that. And then also knowing that, well, along this journey, not only am I going to be talking to engineers, but there's two or three other types of people that I'm going to be talking to. One is a supply manager, most definitely, and one is a CFO or you know whoever handles the accounting at the at the company. Yeah, it yeah, it could be role. right. It could be somebody in procurement or purchasing. It could be the small business owner. But yep. yeah, at, at some point you're talking about finance, yep. which is different from somebody within the facility. Yep. And there's also and the I can sales tell you, component too, right? What 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 features I am say, I trying can, to sell? I can tell you that I don't know specifically what the who the supply manager is at the company you're going after or their name, but I can tell you the types of content that they're going to need and the questions that they're likely going to have when they're in the consideration phase, which is where they normally get brought in. Which right. is the sales collateral. So yeah, Nels is that again, that blending of traditional and digital, like how does that just carry then right over? Yeah, the the relationships still matter. But you have to have the, uh, you have to have your prospects into the funnel early mm-hmm. in the process in order to be able to truly leverage the power of your relationships. Right. No, I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and one of the things that we've been dancing around a little bit, and I definitely want us to talk about because. Uh, again, you hear the phrase, you hear the jargon, but content is king, content is queen. You know, that it, it sounds neat, it's fun to say, it's easy to say, 
But what do we mean when we say that, Nels? Like, why is content queen? The knowledge about your products or services, you know, the if you think back that, you know, the, the old guard legacy relationships, you know, people at, mm-hmm. you know, the manufacturer knew who was in purchasing over at this right. other company, right? Well, you know, now that, you know, if uh, Sue Ann isn't there anymore, it's like, you know, you knew you had a way to talk to her and and make sure she had the information she needs. But, you know, what if the the replacement is somebody who doesn't want to pick up the phone? What if it's somebody who just wants to search online? What if it's somebody who, you know, is going through their emails and using that as a source for, um, you know, initial, initial vetting and scoping, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the content searchable content, right. The, you know, you, you didn't go to a trade show before without sales brochures. So if you want to think of it as simply as that, you know, how do, how do I find your sales brochure in the online world, you know, it's, right. a, it's a really content because content speaks to those different personas potentially at the different stages. Sometimes right. your content needs to be highly technical. Sometimes your content needs to be value-based. You know, again, if you, if you know, you're going to be talking, you know, uh, to the finance department, then how do you present ROI? You know, right. if you know, if you know that you're talking about solutions, this is something that helps somebody with their skills gap. Here's an automation feature that yeah. allows you to take a machine operator and have them basically supervise a pool of three machines instead of operate one machine. So content is, you know, queen or king in that regard is that content can serve multiple purposes at multiple times. And if it's always there, if it's always available, then hopefully the right people are finding it when they're looking for it. Yeah. And and I'm going to take it a step into the nerd world. All right. Nerd alert, everybody. We're going into some tech talk, but I'm going to tell you another reason why this is vitally important, especially now. So there was a recent study, Thomas Net actually did this, that showed a 12% increase in website usage by manufacturers specifically to connect with buyers since the outbreak of COVID last year. That's just since last year. Those numbers have been rising every year anyway, but that's an, that's an impressive number just to see spike over about nine months. So what that tells me is that more and more people are looking online and having to connect with their customers online. So to yeah, well, tie this on, back. Not only that, manufacturers increase their digital spend um, early in the pandemic, second only to healthcare. Right. You know, right. So that people figured out, hey, if, you know, I can't, I still have to find ways to show off our products and services. And the digital spend at key trade publications went way up starting in March. Right. Well, and, and what's interesting and a little dangerous is those trends and everyone jumping on board without some of the base knowledge of how content plays a key part because being discoverable online is usually based on people searching generic terms. If they're searching your brand name, they already know you. They're coming to you. It's purposeful. You need to capture everybody else, and they're searching general terms. The way that your site shows up if people are searching those terms is you having relevant specific content about those topics and authority within the within those industries and within your pages of other people seeing it and reading it and spending time on your site. 
if those elements aren't built into your site, if you if you have one page that's a scanned PDF that you know Google can't see or read, then that's not helping you be discoverable. If you're an right. OEM and you don't have product data on your site, if it's all just cut and pasted or you know uploaded in imagery, then Google and when people are searching for specific part numbers or specific uh, cost needs, you are not discoverable. So while it seems like a huge undertaking of, oh man, I'm going to have to rebuild my site or I'm going to have to build all these blog posts or content pages. And we, and, and Nelson and I are, are using the word content vaguely on purpose because this could be video content, downloadable eBooks, blog posts, website pages, social media content, audio content. It, it could run the gamut to however you need to connect with your audience, but it needs to exist and it can't just exist in your salespeople's heads anymore because unfortunately Google can't search there. <laughs> it's, it's almost the opposite of vanity metrics. You know, if you think about that, the tight circle, everybody knows us mentality, you know, if I'm selling tonnage monitors for stamping equipment, there may only be a thousand people in my sales universe, right? Mm -hmm. And if I'm not, I don't know who they are. If they're younger, more digitally native people, it's like, how do I get that information to them? So yes. So the search terms, the SEO becomes mm -hmm. uh, a lot more refined. I imagine, right. We're, we're talking yep. about, you know, you, you know, your numbers are going to be small, but the difference between 10 qualified leads a month and six qualified leads a month can make a huge difference in your bottom I line. Well, especially if one of those extra four is the $5 million government contract that you've been needing on your books since the last one to band like fell out four years ago. And, and again, as you said, it's getting more honed. It's getting, it's back to that target tight audience that we were talking about earlier, Nels. But the idea of being able to say, I'm the best metal fabricator kind of isn't good enough anymore. You need to be able to see, we need to be able to say, we hydroform agricultural silos and bins. You know, we yeah. roll, we roll form for, uh, you know, uh, GNC, uh, you know, fridges and uh, roll bars on, you know, SUVs like that, because those are what people are searching for. People aren't searching for best metal formations. It, it's, I need roll bars. I need, I need custom manufacturing. I need custom agricultural manufacturing metal steel fabrication. You know, it right. gets that specific. And if you know your target audiences and you've built the personas of what are the 10 questions that they ask the most, those are the questions that you should be building content around and answering on your site. Because Absolutely. The manufacturing mindset of I provide a solution repeatably to people who need it within the supply chain is still at the heart of all of this. So that's a, that's a really good way to put it because when we talk about the, the, the long buying processes, these different personas are asking different questions. Yeah. So the, the questions about how do I establish ROI for, you know, marketing for machine automation, you know, should have questions directed toward each persona. So the engineer may search and find that piece of content early in the buying process. Mm -hmm. And maybe the purchasing manager searches and finds that same piece of content 
later in the buying process. Right. So that, that's a, a really good point. The, you know, the buying process is long because of several different reasons. And one yeah. of them is the disparate personas that, you know, are looking at. That doesn't mean that every piece of content needs to be for everybody. No, but, it no. shouldn't be. <laughs> no, it but there are but there are some, but there are some pieces that could be. Yeah. And the, you know, questions, you know, to ask is a good example. FAQs are another piece yeah. of content that are marvelous in that regard. You know, they're, it, that's just another way to yeah. do the content in the same, um, the similar content in just a slightly different format. I um, agree. But, and even uh, looking at something like, let's take the example of AI, you know, industry 4.0, uh, you know, uh, intelligence going, being brought into the machinery, the software companies behind it. So if you just take the idea of AI and implementing it within your factory or within your manufacturer, you're going to have an engineer that looks at that from a, well, how does this software integrate with our types of machines? How do, how do I and my team use it? Are the files translatable between our current software and the new software? What, you know, but the procurement manager is going to have a much bigger conversation of, well, how much does it cost? How long are our machines going to be down? Like, what is our downtime going to look like? Are there any other installations that are required to get this set up? And then the CEO or the CFO is going to be looking at it from a, what is this going to do to our workforce? What is this going to do to our, you know, uptime and our downtime? What is this going to do to our books and our insurance rates? Like those types of, everyone's going to have those different questions. And the only two letters I said were AI. Right. So if you're an AI company or if you're a, an industrial 4.0 company, or you're a company looking to consult with, you know, uh, manufacturers in that space, understanding that those two letters have five different constituents with 20 different questions is extremely important to then be able to craft a campaign, a piece of content, an email, a phone, you know, a direct mail piece to those proper people. Sure. Yeah. The, the content you could share is really good for uh, our audience. It's like if somebody Right. You know, wrote a piece about, hey, AI have, has arrived and it's not as expensive and difficult as you think might be something that that, you know, marketing doer could forward mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, an executive would basically say, hey, right. this is what we were talking about. You know, put this in front of somebody to see if this can help prompt some, you know, discussion. Well, and, and let's follow that thread a little bit further, Nels, because that's where we can pull this into the technology world and say, okay, well, we wrote this great piece about how AI can strengthen an engineering department and, you know, reduce inefficiencies among team members. And the senior engineer director reads that and then sign and then downloads the the infographic that comes along with it to share you know to post up in the office and he downloads that and then gets sent put into an email uh an email chain that follows up with like hey it seems like you're interested in ai stuff here's a couple of resources that we think are good or here's a free video or here's some blog posts we wrote about it that you might want to share with your team and by the way if your cfo has questions here's a pricing guide that can answer some of those questions and they download that pricing guide they forward that to their cfo their cfo is now in the database under a contract that a salesman gets notified via email that hey 
two people at company XYZ are now interested in our sure. AI stuff. Right. Here's their phone number. Here's their names. Here's their social profiles. And here's what, here's the questions they ask on our form, follow up with them. Right. All of that can be done without having Chad sitting in his phone for four hours, jumping around from different people on extension trees. Yep. Yep. So that was a long way for us to say <laughs> you need to understand your audience the same way that you used to, but better. Yeah. Now let's put all of this into perspective before we get into some actionable insights. None of this means anything. If you guys aren't setting goals, if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish with all of these activities, then you'll never know what is working and what's not working. And Nelson, you mentioned it earlier as a salesman may come in and be like, Oh, well I got, I found Jerry at this trade show and Mary Beth called and I talked to her on the phone and then so-and-so sent me this email because his son took over the business and he wanted me to know about it. All of that is great if it's coming from Chad, but if people are emailing you or calling your company from the website they found or clicking on an ad and getting to your site, you still need that level of insight to be able to connect it. And knowing those goals to say, well, we want to increase our you know, digital leads that are quality by 25% in 2021. Well, there's a lot of things you need to identify in those steps. And we'll have a whole episode, Nels, on goals, but I want to give everybody the reminder on what smart goals are before we leave. Now, Nels, pop quiz. If I said, tell me what a smart goal is. Would you would you be able to rattle off all five? Uh, actually, I was just head? thinking about that because you know I've I've have lived in the smart goal world, and it's just sort of like you know yeah. I don't even think about the you know some of these. What do the acronyms actually start for or stand for? So actually, yeah. I'm just going to say uh, I should, but I don't. Ah, uh, no, I like it. I like the honesty. So I'll rattle them off. So we got uh, smart, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant. And time-bound. Achievable is the one that most people uh, fudge. And I would encourage you guys to make them extremely achievable, especially if you're diving into the world of industrial marketing first. We'll have a whole episode on how to set goals and and why they're important later in this season. But just want to get that out for you guys. If you're taking notes, that's a good one to take. (laughs) Oh, Nels, I've enjoyed talking with you so far. Do you think we should... uh, move on to the shop floor and actually give yeah. people actionable insights. Let's, let's, uh, let's get right to the shop floor and ah, uh, on to the next segment. All right, guys, as always, we want to end this episode with some actionable stuff that you can put into practice that you can use, you can research and, and find some things about. So uh, Nelson, I actually gave, excuse me, I actually gave you some homework this week. Uh, And I gave us both homework, but we wanted to come and bring examples of what we're talking about. Manufacturers, B2B companies that are doing these things correctly. And so we want to highlight some good examples for you guys. And uh, Nels, uh, do you want to start us off or should I? Uh, Well, I can offer one up. I mean, we, we, we can talk a little bit about campaigns. um, Mm -hmm. And I want to relate this to our discussion earlier about different types of content for different people, different personas in the buying process. So yeah. any, any key to a good campaign is understanding who the gatekeepers are. 
What right. is it that you, how does, how does your material get advanced within that prospect, within that company? And I'm going to use an example from a company called DuraWare, which. Oh, right. DuraWare makes portable clean air solutions for to painting, sanding, coating, all those things that release all those dangerous contaminants into the air. And you, you that know, sounds you like a very specific market. It is. Now. It's kind of like it what is. we were talking about earlier. But you're you're talking about you know defense contractors like Northrop Grumman, talking about aviation mm-hmm. like Boeing. Um, they're actually dealing now with you know Blue Origin and NASA and you know people who it, it if you can't just take a big turbine, engine turbine mm-hmm. or jet engine, and put it into a clean room. You know, right. So this, unless you have one specifically built for that. And even then just think about the capital expenditure that that exactly. So this company has basically created this uh, retractable enclosure that they put around the piece and it, it works within the workflow. So you don't have to stop all the other things in the, in the floor, but in their case, the gatekeeper for them is an engineer. It's highly technical. It's a compliance officer. It's somebody who, you know, you just, there's no use talking about this if it's not going to play ball in the compliance department. If the, if the EHS, the environment health and safety officer, you know, isn't familiar with it, you have no chance. So this is a case where the gatekeepers, it's a very highly technical white paper talking about, you know, the VOCs, the volatile, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, whatever compounds that are in the air. It's talking about particulates. It's talking about the hexachromium, you know, particulates that are in the air. So in in this case, they go to the compliance officers first. And then after you pass through there, then you can start talking about the benefits and the values and the workflows and how it fits into your operation. But that's- So I imagine their content is very specific to that and probably not everybody on the internet looking for movie reviews would find it interesting. Some some of it is also, here's how you can put it to use, but that's for the purchasing manager and executive. So in the campaign, every campaign shouldn't start with the general value proposition. In this case, they're smart- They had a campaign very much toward the technical side to get yeah. through that initial gatekeeper. So that's where manufacturing is different than other B two B. This is this I was like, smart. I like this that. This was example. smart because you know the 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 buying process was is flip flopped for yeah. some of these regulatory and compliance categories. I like that. Um, I'll throw one out that's also kind of technical. Uh, ones that I, one that I came across that I thought was interesting, and this relates back to our kind of content as an entry mechanism idea, is that there's a uh, a brand, uh, a guy called that runs the Mechanical Engineers Reference, and that's what his website's called. But he has a Facebook page and a YouTube channel. But what I really like about what he does is he creates videos that answer very searchable questions like what is metal forging what's the difference between or uh you know what's the difference between a hot forge and a cold forge press he goes into detail but that's what all of his content is called so it's it comes up at the top of search rankings and then from his youtube channel he has links to his website he has links to his facebook community and on the facebook community he's sharing the same types of videos and quick little how-tos and he's really working on being an educational resource 
resource for engineers and that gets them into his orbit. And then he has consulting services yeah. and thing, you know, he works past that, but I've always thought it's like, he makes good. You know, it's not like you're not watching it and you're like, wow, this is a Marvel movie, but he makes helpful question-based specific technical content and it's driving people too. He's got 3,000 some odd followers on Facebook and he's got a big community that he's growing. And so yeah, I, and I, I like that example. And I think that's a good way to say, take something that you do, create it in a content that's digestible for who you need it to, who you need it to go to, and then just keep doing it. Yeah. Make it good. And, 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 you know, I mentioned vanity metrics earlier. There's a bunch of people going 3000 followers <laughs> You know, hey, if that's the right three thousand followers, an, that's gold. That is. that could be that could be an entire universe. That could be your entire universe of prospective customers. And so, I'm, I don't have um, the, I don't have the stat handy, but I will get it in the show notes about how engineers prefer video mm-hmm. when they're in the when they're in the awareness educational stage. They very much prefer video. So it sounds like yeah. you know this is a, a really smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, setup that this guy has going. And then uh, I'll throw one last one out there. And this is a shameless self plug because it's one that our agency created, but it's an idea of a downloadable guide and helpful resource that answers a question. And we created one about the industrial marketing budget process. That is a question that we get asked by almost everyone that comes to the table and works with our, our agency is how do you create a budget for digital marketing within the industrial world. Like we don't have huge budgets. We don't have Procter and Gamble budgets. Like how do you set aside things that we know are working in hopes of moving into this new campaign? And so we got that question so much that we ended up just building a book around it and you can download the book for free. It comes with, you know, Excel spreadsheets and formulas that help you build out those things, but it answers a very specific question that we got asked over and over and over that was unique to our universe. There are a thousand, you know, market plan templates out there, but what works for, you know, what works for Disney isn't going to work for a custom manufacturer based out of Texas. Yeah. And that's, we have to take that into account. And there's, and there's two factors in this dynamic right now that make that budget guide more valuable than ever. Manufacturers on average spend less on marketing than other industries. It's like 6% versus like the overall huge business enterprise is like 9%, something like that. And the other is just the changing nature of marketing, right? As digital becomes, more important, we talked a lot about the shift from, you know, the traditional relationships and trade shows into digital. How do you do that? So yeah, the budget guide, that's an excellent example. Yeah. I'm just going to mention one other, if you know, if you're looking for something oh, to check yeah. out and learn from, uh, I'll just mention real quickly, there's a machining and uh, manufacturing solutions giant, Sandvec, Sandvec Corvorant. Yeah. They do, they do a great job of being customer focused at every level of their website. So you go to a product page and it talks about what are the tools, what are the services, what are the software that in that product mix. And at the same time, they're offering up what the solutions do. They're telling stories about how these solutions work and they're giving testimonials. It's, it's like they do a fantastic job of layering the product information along with the value and benefits. It's a fantastic, yeah. it's a fantastic website and a lot of manufacturers of that. would do well to, 
to model after what they're doing. That's uh, that's well, Sandvik, S-A-N-D-V-I-K.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I was about to say, every, every reference or everything that we've referenced uh, will be in the show notes uh, for the show below, or if you're reading this on the site in the blog post below. So be sure to check those out. Um, Nels, this is, I've, I've had a fantastic conversation with you. I think that we've started down the road of hoping, you know, to enlighten a little bit of what's different of what the, the trials that manufacturers face when it comes to the world of industrial marketing. Um, I will talk about this more and more. We'll get deeper and deeper into specifics, you know, as our episodes go on, but man, I, I've, I've had a blast today. Any, any final parting words before we sign off? You know, I, uh, we could go on and on, you know, <laughs> we did. Yes. But no, this is, this is, uh, this is good stuff. It's, you know, for, for those marketing doers at manufacturers, yes, you have to understand and know an awful lot. And for those agency pros who are new to the manufacturing world, yeah, it's different. It's very different. And hopefully we've touched on some of the key things that will, will help them um, improve their game. Industrial marketing is very niche and, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we've helped move them forward. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll always be here to help. That's what the Industrial Marketer Podcast is all about. Guys, if this is your first time listening, thank you. Go ahead and subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on whatever podcast service that you listen to podcasts through. Follow us on social media. You can go to industrialmarketer.com and find resources and blog posts galore about all of this. So keep listening. Keep subscribing. Keep joining us each week as we give you more tips, tricks, and tools to help make, move, and manufacture this world. We want to make it a better place. We want to make manufacturing strong. We believe in it, and we know that you guys do too. So join us next week as we dive into more, and uh, I can't wait to see you then.